Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Cheyenne Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odorizzi. Today we're breaking down the 2023 Monza Grand Prix. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of Ferrari's aggressive drives. We're going to take a relook at the best of the rest categories and who's showing more promise than others. And we're going to top it off with, you know, does Red Bull take the slate for the rest of the year? Chris, what's up? Yes, I am. History was made here in Monza today. By history, I meant both Ferraris somehow managed to finish this race and even one made it on the podium. Oh, and I, you know, there was that thing about Max breaking the record of 10 consecutive wins, but we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, because <laughs> the the real show of today's race was that the ferrari battle was kind of crazy uh what were your thoughts on it yeah i think you know a lot to break down here we'll just start with the highlights signs holds p1 for the first 15 laps really earned his stuff in his podium spot with the continuous defense against max uh by lap 47 signs and leclerc are fighting nose to nose at this point max has already overtaken the entire field uh, Sainz has an inside line and almost makes contact with Leclerc. Uh, there's a lock up there. Let's uh, Sainz keep his position. But then by lap 51, you know, Charles risks it all. And due to another lockup, he, you know, has to give position again to Sainz. Uh, both drivers ended with about a tenth mar- of a second margin in between both uh, Ferraris. Um, pros and cons to both of this, Chris. I'll start with the pros. Incredibly exciting. Hella exciting race because of it. You know, the home fans at Tifosi probably didn't mind seeing that, even though they got P3 to show for it and P4. Uh, they closed the gap to Mercedes. Um, you know, this gives signs and, and you know, even Leclerc some hope that they desperately needed. Uh, and it makes the decision to let the both drivers race, you know, it kind of, I guess, makes leadership look good. What do you think about that, Chris? Do you think the pros are all there? Anything to add? Yeah, I mean... The the race between the two Ferraris was probably the most exciting I've seen all season. It was kind of that quintessential battle between race cars that you want to see wheel to wheel, making lunges, uh, taking tight turns into the corner, locking up, and taking advantage of that. It was kind of astonishing to watch in the fact that um, I was surprised that they were allowed to do this, considering could have very easily gone poorly for them. But it was very exciting to watch. I think the fans were probably both clenched <laughs> in every orifice of their bodies as well as having the time of their life watching these guys battle it out for a podium spot. And uh, I, you know, for my for my money, it couldn't have gotten any better. So, yeah, you took the word right out of my mouth. They definitely got their money's worth. So let's consider a world where things do go wrong. What would the cons have been, Chris? Uh, both drivers could have been taken out. Uh, out of the points as well. So the gap to Mercedes would have been insurmount- insurmountable at that point. Uh, both drivers lose confidence and uh, a mutiny probably starts to happen against leadership. <laughs> uh, the Tifosi would have probably painted the town scarlet red, uh, you know, the purge style. Um, and, you know, we would have had a whole different story about uh, Ferrari going into Singapore and the rest of this year. Um, so the cons, I don't know, Chris, some might say they outweigh uh the, the the pros here, but home race, Ferrari's already kind of paying, playing from behind. They really needed uh, the narrative to go their way no matter what this week, even if they didn't get P1, P2. Uh, you know, I think it was a race to remember, definitely one we're going to be recalling, and so are others. Uh, what do you envision would have happened if that contact between the two drivers would have gone sideways or if Leclerc would have just, you know, gotten 
red eyed and 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 try to do anything necessary to get to that p3 position what do you think would have been the fallout of that yeah it very could have easily could have happened right we saw the clerk lock up into turn one in a very dangerous fashion where he could have just slid straight into signs uh and there was a few moments where he lost grip on the rear you could tell that both ferraris were really struggling with their tires towards the end of the race so um, you could hear the desperation in Sainz's voice over the team radio of like, come on, guys, let's, let's just take this home. Like, you could tell him, he's like, please tell a great to signs. Get off my, I, I get can off tell you on that, Chris. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'll I'll take some voice acting lessons after this. But uh, yeah, totally. Like, it could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and like you said, there could have been Tafosi riots. Fred could have been completely like run under the ground saying, why would you let these guys race like that? So, you know, ultimately they did cross the finish line third and fourth. All was great at the end of the day. But like you said, I think for me personally, it was way too risky. Uh, you know, signs had kind of earned that right from qualifying better. They're, they have great position. They have great points to get ahead of Merck. Like, what's what's the benefit of risking? You know, Charles doesn't. I mean, listen, I don't I'm not these guys, but in my opinion, I don't think Charles cares about a podium. He wants to win a championship. So what's another third? Like. Get the drivers across the the finish line, celebrate in front of your fans. But you know, maybe he was wanting to give everybody a good show. But like you said, it could have went horrible for them. Uh, and I think they got a little bit lucky that it didn't. I think actions speak louder than words, and I think Charles' actions this weekend spoke more than what he'd probably admit in front of reporters and to fans. Uh, on Sky uh, on Sky Sports uh, podcast, uh, they had the post race uh, interviews and. Charles mentioned something to the effect of, you know, he was just happy that they're able to compete and, you know, that's what F1 is. And, you know, I guess that's a kind of a, a throwaway comment uh, post-race getting P4, I think. In his situation, getting a P3 at this point in the season, uh, especially, you know, considering Ferrari's lack of pace uh, to the Mercedes and at times, uh, I'm sorry, uh, to Red Bull and at times Mercedes, uh, you know, I think this would have meant a lot for for Charles, but it meant just as much to Carlos Sainz. I think he really is starting to cement himself as maybe not just a D2 driver, but someone who they should really consider for that D1 position or at least split the difference between the two drivers and really give them both the same amount of treatment. Uh, I think that he has absolutely started making a case for himself, not just this race, but over the past couple of races. So, you know, great look for Ferrari this weekend uh even though they weren't able to get uh P1 P2 at least they didn't crash let's turn our uh pivot uh our attention to some of the middle of the pack um teams chris best of the rest has been up in the air for the entire season um i think it makes sense for us to revisit in the second half of the season how things are starting to look uh hopefully you know we have some upswings we have some downswings uh let's 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 walk into that so i i want to start with with who you think is now somewhat the definitive best of the rest if you were to categorize everyone behind red bull and ahead of you know um aston martin or or mclaren how would you group that that pack together um, from a driver perspective or a constructive perspective? Let's do both. I mean, I think 
McLaren is probably going to be your your top um, constructor behind, you know, sort of the top people who you would consider the Ferraris, the the Red Bulls, Mercedes. McLaren has really showed a huge leap in improvement. I think they still have some issues with their car, um, and I think maybe that's a straight line speed thing, and which why they didn't have the pace here uh, at Monza to to fight for the podium. Um, but I definitely think McLaren is up there. However, I'm also like really rooting for Williams. Like they've seemed to have really, uh, made such improvements to their car that I think there's something, some magic that could be there towards the end of the year or to next year. Um, but yeah, like those are the two teams that I really think that have like the chances to met themselves the best of the rest. Like, like obviously Aston Martin is kind of up there in, in the middle, but they, they're a little too inconsistent these days. Like, you know, at the beginning of the year, I would have said that they were the clear favorite to be best of the rest, but um, it, it, it's hard to tell at the moment. But I'm, I'm definitely excited for McLaren's progress, and I'm excited to see someone like Alex Albon and Williams and where, where he can take that team if he stays with the team. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on, on most of those points. I think it's interesting to see the cars that are using the uh, Mercedes drive, sta- drive shaft and and engines uh, really start making progress and, and really setting themselves apart because it seems like we're talking about Williams, we're talking about Aston Martin, we're talking about McLaren, we're talking about Mercedes themselves. All four teams are now really bunched up kind of closer to the front of the pack. Uh, at the moment, there's only 45 points difference between Mercedes and McLaren and 11 point difference between McLaren and Aston Martin, um, albeit Lance Stroll is the anchor that's holding Aston Martin down. And, uh, you know, considering if that was someone else in a seat, someone that was a little bit more capable, they'd probably be, be you know, in position with McLaren and probably tied off or even a, a slightly ahead of McLaren. I, I think that Alex Albon, um, just by himself, is really showing off the car that James Val and his team has made incredible improvements upon and have really cemented themselves um, in the middle of the pack this year, past, you know, considerably past Alfa Romeo, past Alfa Tori, um, you know, past Haas, and, you know, in fighting stance against Aston Martin and potentially McLaren. I don't think they're just there yet to fight with Mercedes and uh, Ferrari, but you know Albon's been putting his foot down on the pedal and qualifying and really showing his stuff and getting points uh, on the board. And I and I think we talked about this last episode, Chris, uh, the culture that people like James Vowles and Mike Crack bring to their respective organizations is going to be huge in the you know in the coming uh, years. Um, you know, in lap 24, McLaren, there's a contact between Norris, uh, as he overtakes Piastri for P7, which uh, again, like Ferrari could have had some detrimental effects had it gone sideways. Um, and then in lap 41, Hamilton makes an unfortunate contact with Piastri, uh, which, you know, gives him the five second penalty, but, uh, Hamilton's able to pull out in front of Albon and still keep his position P6. Um, you know, Piastri would have been in the points had it not been for that contact. So maybe that uh, point difference between Mercedes and McLaren would have been down to maybe, you know, 35 points or so. So a lot if sands or buts that could have happened with those contact points. Some people say it wasn't fair for uh, Lewis to just get a five second penalty. Others like myself, uh, you know, think that the penalty is what it is and it's applied uh, to situations like this all the time. 
Um, I'd love to understand, you know, how you think about that, Chris. Do you think that that five-second penalty was justifiable? Do you think that it should have been extended a little bit more? What What are your thoughts? Listen, it's hard to it's hard to quantify penalties like this, right? Because you know Piastri's race is essentially ruined. Uh, he Piastri's getting more than a five-second penalty in the pit stop. Like it takes what seven to ten seconds to change a front wing. Uh, and that's whether your car can even continue at full speed even after that change. So, um, I definitely have a like I have a hard time because it is a racing incident, right? Like it's not Hamilton did apologize. He thought he, he thought he had cleared the space. He moved over, and unfortunately, Piastri was still there. They collide. So it's a racing incident. It's an accident. Uh, it's not intentional. So like doing super harsh penalties is probably not what you want. But you also because it. Listen, I was going to bring this up earlier, but it's like we haven't seen a lap one turn one incident in a long time. And I'm partly thinking that's because of the cost cap where like drivers are like terrified of crashing their cars uh, because of what it's going to cost the team because all that those parts go towards the cost cap. So I don't want to de-incentivize good wheel to wheel racing and, and just have massively harsh penalties for things like that, because then people are just going to be way too careful and the races will be much less exciting. Um, it's just a really hard one. I think it's probably fair. Um, but yeah, Piastri's race is ruined and Hamilton keeps going. By the way, and I've said this once before on, our, on this podcast, whoever builds Mercedes cars needs to get a massive pay raise because they just never break. <laughs> I felt like yeah. his car should have broke the same with Piastri's and he's just like, boop, keep going. German engineering. German yeah. engineering. Um, I want to, Go back real quick to the to the Albon James Vowell's point and the fact that I think that this is a pairing match made in heaven because you have the experience of James in a massive organization like Mercedes. He knows how this well-oiled eight constructor championship machine works. He was there with them, walked through that whole process. And then you have Albon, someone who's been at the top team, seeing how Red Bull operates. And he's able to take his experience as a driver and how to manipulate the car, as well as James with his experience and how to build a team in an organization and take this team to the next level. So I definitely think that this pairing can make some magic happen. Cause like, like, listen, you had George and Williams before, but he didn't have the experience at the top team. And so he like, doesn't know how to give the feedback, how to upgrade the car. He's just a very talented driver. So I really love this pairing and I really can't wait to see where they can take this team. Yeah. I mean, I definitely am on the same track as you. I think the one thing to really mention here is that Alex's contract is up in 2024. He's been meeting with all the top teams. He's an incredibly, you know, valuable asset to any of those top teams. Uh, should they, you know, pivot into a driver who has, who meets the you know the 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 cornerstone of experience and youth you know and 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 he's easy to work with so i think james vows coming in is i think at this moment it's a, it's a really mutual relationship you know he's showing off the car as best as possible he's you know in return making a name for himself to be considered in one of these top drives um you know just kind of playing uh you know a little bit of mental scrabble and and mental puzzling here i think someone like liam lawson who has a lot of different who has a lot of similar shades of of a 
driver like Alex Albon and George Russell and 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 even his you know peer Oscar Piastri there's like this even kind of steadiness uh, with a back end of a lot of potential that a team can work with so I think if you slot him you know into a Williams car given that Red Bull and AlphaTauri seats are all pretty much filled until the next year maybe there is a way where Williams can now offer such a contract extension to Liam Lawson that his management agency can't deny that, you know? So now you have a D1. Because uh, I, I, I'm i saying this with the assumption that Logan Sargent is not D1 material. And I don't, I think the delta for him to get to D1 is much greater than Liam is, Liam's is. Um, so I think there is a world, you know, just kind of projecting out several years, just considering that Alex is going to be tied up until 2024, that Alex moves into a, um, a more prominent team. And then Williams now is, you know, a really sweet spot for someone who's a rising star to come in and really make their own. Um, so I think it's a mutual, uh, mutual relationship in that aspect and just kind of Projecting out a couple of years, I think, you know, if the puzzle pieces fall, fall where they will, I, I don't think that's far from the realm of reality. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I don't think that Logan is a D1 driver material. I do really like the concept of putting Lee and Lawson in that seat. Um, it really just depends on what happens with Danny Rick and if he... Uh, gets a permanent seat at AlphaTauri or whatever the new name will be next year. Um, Cause I definitely think that uh, Liam deserves a, a seat after what we've seen. So I think Williams would be a great home for him. It just depends on uh, if Albin makes a shift or if uh, James decides to not extend Logan, which to me is a perfectly fine choice, but I know that, you know, one season is rough on a rookie to prove yourself. Um but it, it is still Formula One. You got you got to be the best of the best. So. It is. I mean, it, it is rough, right? And that's why when you do it alone and you're the only rookie in the season, pretty much like how Zhou Guan Yu was, um, you know, you have a little bit more rope to, to play with. But when you're a rookie and two other rookies are doing much better than you are, one of whom was just thrown into a seat on a, on a rainy race weekend and has been putting up you know, better numbers than you. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, I feel like it's, it's just a hard sell uh, to, to get a multi-year contract out of a team when that's what you're kind of showcasing at the moment. Um, so, you know, why wouldn't Williams get a more aggressive? They have the car, you know, they definitely have the car. Now that straight line speed in the car is, is, is no joke. Um, but they still have, they, they can't, afford to plateau right now they don't have they have enough resources to make a great car and get be a really appealing team to up-and-coming drivers which is more than you could have said probably a year or two ago but they don't have the resources to squander an upward trajectory that they've put a lot of you know time and effort and money into um so you know those are just my thoughts right now it seems like if you know, and and correct me, Chris, if if you have any discrepancies here, but if I were to break down the rest of the pack, it would be you know, uh, Red Bull up top, uh, Mercedes and Ferraris probably fighting for that second position, and then I would have McLaren and Aston Martin may, maybe closely coupled up if Lance Stroll just picks up the pace a little bit, and then soon behind that I have the uh, you know Williams, 
uh, I have Alpha Tori. I'm sorry, uh, Alpha Romeo, uh, Alpha Tori, and then Haas, and then. Oh, I didn't even mention Alpine. Oh, about, maybe that's. I, was, I didn't I even gonna... mention Alpine, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Alpine. We'll we'll save them for for later this this conversation. But I guess if I were to slot Alpine in there, it would be somewhere ahead of uh, Alfa Romeo, but not so far ahead, and then definitely behind Aston Martin and McLaren. But you know, we'll talk about more about Alpine later. So let's talk about your favorite team in the whole wide world. Uh, I'll set the stage for you. So by lap 15, uh, Max overtakes signs in a really exciting, um, you know, duel by a lap later, Perez overtakes Russell by lap 32 Perez now overtakes Leclerc for P3 and by lap 46 Perez overtakes signs for P2, essentially pointing to the fact that no matter what happens race pace wise, if they keep the car on track, those guys will be able to overtake pretty much every car on the grid. Chris, what say you? Yeah, Red Bull is is just massively dominant, and and Max dominant in that car on top of of Sergio. That double like, entendre, Chris, is that what I heard? It's a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Max is a uh, a monster. Um, <laughs> I just realized the the monster Red Bull energy drink pun there, but yeah, no, Max is insane. And I definitely think that they have the potential in the car to win every race for the rest of the season, uh, which is kind of an astonishing feat because the the ten win record that we saw uh, is has, <clears throat> has already never been done before in the sport, which is also a mind blowing stat considering the domination of guys like Schumacher and Hamilton, um, and and even like Senna and Prost in those earlier days. Like the fact that this has never been done before. And we see almost no signs of it slowing down. It's, it's kind of astonishing. Um, surprise, there's actually not more talk about um, them making rules changes to slow this down a little bit. And I think Sergio probably has a lot to do with that because he's not being as dominant. It's not this like one, two, every single race. But like you said, I definitely think that um, they have the potential to win the rest of the season. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised that Max was making some of the moves that he did today, like the one uh, overtake he tried to make on, uh, let's see, on signs on lap six, and they almost came in contact in turn one. And he made that funny radio message, like, oh, oh that was naughty. And it's just, it was kind of <laughs> actually fun to see him going for history, but like also like still taking risks and, uh, you know, driving, driving on the edge. So. Uh, definitely well deserved, but like you said, I think. So, so what I'm hearing here, Chris, is that Chego Perez is not the D2 driver that Red Bull deserves. He's the D2 driver that they need. I think he's totally the D2. He's the perfect Red Bull D2 driver. He's a guy that's not going to challenge Max, but he's a guy that can put the car on the podium it, and put enough doubts in people's mind to not regulate uh, another change <laughs> to, 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 to bring on another change. I, I see what you're saying there. He's exactly maybe, the Valtteri. They're the smartest guys in the room, you know, it's them and the Enron guys. Exactly. Smartest guys in the room. Yeah. He's in my opinion, he's uh he's the Valtteri Botas uh, of Mercedes, like that, the guy who can win an occasional race but he's just never going to take it to Lewis and just like, he's never going to take it to max. Like, you know, they're super fast, super talented can, can win races. But at the end of the day, they're never going to challenge for the WDC. That's exactly what they want. 
That's exactly what they're getting. I mean, very, I mean, really impressive stuff. 10 wins in a row. Uh, I tip my hat off to them. You know, I'm not a Red Bull fan, but, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. It seems like Max is having a fun time with it. Um, and, you know, uh, if someone would have opened up a money line when George Russell predicted this at the, after the first race of the year, I would have put some stock into that. But again, we're not degenerate gamblers here uh, on, on Fan Team Radio. So, speak for yourself (laughs) but uh but back to the point about them winning the rest of the season um i want to bring up a little bit of the fact that not many people were aware of this but max was having engine issues for the last two laps of the race he was losing two seconds a lap uh from lap 49 to 51 uh he closed sergio closed the gap from 12.6 seconds to six seconds or five seconds, whatever it was at the the end, because Max had to nurse a car issue. And um, had Yuki not DNS at the start of the race, where they did two laps under the safety car or the formation laps, Max might have lost this race. His car could have easily died. Um, he was being told by his engineers to really nurse the car. Otherwise, he wasn't going to make it. And so kind of got a little bit lucky there at the end and uh, maybe some reliability issues potentially shining through at the end of the day. And we'll see what happens through the rest of the season. You know, I mean, we got Singapore coming up in two weeks and it's very much also a straight line, uh, heavy track where, you know, uh, the fastest cars typically is going to be the one that wins. And it's a even more difficult track than uh, Monza is uh, technically speaking. So, you know, maybe, maybe, We'll we'll have to keep a closer eye on Max's car uh, at that point as well and see if those same kinds of failures um, show face again. Well, we could talk about this more next uh, when Singapore comes along, but I wasn't even aware that they were taking out multiple chicanes in that track and making a giant straight. Were you aware of that? Um, I, I was aware of it. I knew that there, it's, it, I mean, it, it makes the entertainment a lot more, you know, uh, heavy i mean i'm sure you saw that at monza this weekend just the especially in this first chicane where perez seemed to hit that chicane three or four different times uh over the course of the race and never got penalized because he always gave the spot back uh and at one time also complained to the stewards that russell pushed him off while he made no attempt to make the the turn at the chicane Uh, (laughs) i think you know it just makes for a more streamlined uh um uh event it's uh, i'm sorry a race and it just shows the car's potentials i think it'll give ferrari another chance to show their straight line speed same as albon and the williams and if logan Sargent can get his shit together then you know maybe he'll be able to show the williams straight lines uh races anyways typically some of my most favorite races are the straight line uh heavy uh, uh tracks that you can just you know put the pedal to the metal and really see the cars perform well then you're gonna love vegas but my uh <laughs> my last my last note on this is that, yeah, so what if you're not a fan of Red Bull? Merck had their domination. Now it's time for the Bulls, baby. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I fucking dra- drafted Travis Kelsey at number one, and he is uh, questionable now, so I'm having a rough day. That's a- um, All right, let's pivot to winners, losers, and hot seats. Who you got for your winners this week, Chris? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about him, Max, obviously. Uh, the only added note I'll say is that you you look back at history and you see guys like Schumacher winning championships and these guys go nuts and Max did something that no other driver has ever done in the history of the sport and his radio messages haha what a lovely drive it's just it's kind of funny to me that he's just so nonchalant about it but yeah again what a performance crazy history maker I'm excited to see how far he could take it um 
But then Ferrari, they managed to not mess it up too much today. Like they had a uh, like a 3.3 second pit stop for signs, which is a little bit slow, but a 2.3 second for, for Leclerc. And, you know, they didn't screw up strategy too much. They let their drivers race a little bit, even though it was risky. And, uh, you know, they got a podium and they did it at home in front of the Tifosi and uh, pretty good race from them overall. Uh, Alex Albon, your your favorite guy. Uh, what a, He's been Mr. Consistent, putting it up there. Another P7, another good points. Uh, I'm super happy for that guy. And then I'm just going to throw a little shout out to Valtteri Botas for finally scoring a point again and... If there's one thing that I want Alfa Romeo to do more than anything, it's to they're one point away from Haas. And these guys can't let Haas take them in the constructors championship because Haas doesn't do anything. I'd like to see uh like both Haas and Joe get a couple more points and surpass them. Yeah, I mean it'd be something to see. Um I, I also have Max up in my uh winner circle. I have uh Alex up in my winner circle, really great qualifying and keeping things into points. I have Valtteri, uh, also in my winner circle. Just great to see him in the points as well. Um, I scoped Ferrari down to Carlos Sainz. I think Carlos Sainz had an absolutely amazing race. Absolutely. I think he was able to show, you know, that he shouldn't be taken for granted by any team. Um, I think he showed that he is on par with Leclerc when it comes to not just straight line speed, but I think Carlos Sainz' defensive mecha- mechanisms are some of the most top notch in in Formula One and on the grid. You know, second to probably like Lewis and 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 uh, and Max and and maybe even George at, at sometimes. Uh, just really great defensive work. Um, you know, he was struggling at the at the last legs of the of the of the race, but he was able to keep his car. Uh, on track and keep the performance there to to manage uh, 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 a battle with Leclerc. Just really good stuff. I, I think the guy deserves it, especially after he almost got his Audemars Piguet $500,000 watch almost just stolen off of his wrist, chased <laughs> the guy down, was able to get it back. So, you know, all, all around win for my boy, Carlos Sainz. Uh, I'm going to also toss in my guy, Liam Lawson, who's, quickly becoming one of my favorite uh, racers on track. Uh, I believe Liam qualified in P12 and then finished up in P11. Just really good stuff. Beat out all of his rookie counterparts in Oscar and Logan. Uh, Just, you know, again, Mr. Consistent. Is it the best showing from a rookie ever in the first two races? It's not, but it's really steady-handed and it's in a car that doesn't really have a whole lot of performance behind it so again hats off to liam lawson we talked to uh, a little bit about what his future could potentially look like if all the red bull and alfatari seats are taken i do think they're going to give daniel ricardo one more year um f- from now uh, until probably mid next year to show what he's got i think taking him out of the seat right now would be a really big mistake i think it would really turn a lot of fans the wrong way because they do love Daniel. Uh, but I think Liam's making a case for himself and I think he deserves a, a driver's seat somewhere next year on the grid. Um, and I think, you know, if Alex ends up moving over to another team, Williams would be a really good place for him to make a name for himself. Hundred uh, percent. Let's start, let's turn over to our losers. Who do you got for your losers this week, Chris? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a couple of people maybe deserving the loser seat and I know your list is a little longer than mine, but, uh, Oscar Piastri just, you know, had a had a potential for having a pretty good race. He's been up there with uh, Lando throughout the whole season, kind of back and forth. 
and uh, you know, unfortunately, he had that collision with uh, Hamilton. We didn't get to see really how he would he, how he would have finished today. Um, so, you know, I would like to see. I'm I'm a big Piastri fan. I want to see him really take it to the test with Lando, push it to the top teams, and see if he could be that potential future WDC. And he kind of seems to have a little bit of a a string of bad luck here and there. He's kind of been bumped into a few times, had some issues, and so. Uh, I'm ready for him be able to unleash his talent in in his car, and hopefully that'll happen soon because I want to see where he can where he can take it. Yeah, unfortunate uh, event for him this this weekend with uh, Hamilton running into him. Um, I also have him on my losers losers uh, circle. Uh, I have Yuki Tsunoda didn't even get a chance to get onto the grid. Uh, his race was over before he even started, caused an entire delay to start another race, uh, which is always annoying. Might have been a uh, good thing because if uh, Liam had finished ahead yeah. of him on merit again, it might have looked even worse for him. Yeah, that's true. And he also helped your boy Verstappen get, you know, secure his position without any extra <laughs> laps that could have caused some trouble. Calculated, calculated. Uh, calculated, all of it calculated. They might let him keep the seat just because of that. Um, <laughs> I put Hamilton, you know, in the, in the loser's circle this week. I just don't think... I don't know if the tire, if it was tri- tire strategy or or, or what. Uh, I just don't think he was really set up for success, and I just don't think he was incredibly aggressive this, um, this race. Uh, and just the, the car pace wasn't totally there. I can't really put my finger on what it was this week with Hamilton. I think it was both a mixture of the Mercedes putting on you know hard tires first and then jumping to medium. Uh, or if it was just, you know, Lewis not able to kind of get the most out of the car this week. So I put him in my loser circle. Hopefully he's out of it next week. Uh, and then Haas and Alpine, you know, Haas, I think they're pretty much checked out. They should not have extended the contract to both their drivers, especially K-Mag, because right now they're pretty much in a content situation where they're going to get paid irregardless. And, you know, they're just going to race to, to, to get a position. Um, and then Alpine, you know, uh, Stark difference from what we saw last week, uh, I guess, again, given that this was a really straight line heavy track, um, it just exposed some of the flaws that the Alpine car has in, in situations like that. So maybe they'll bounce back in Singapore, but again, it being a really straight line heavy track, I just don't see it. I think they'll probably end up somewhere in that P10 to, to P14 position, unfortunately. So we'll you know, Alpine's just been having a really tough go at it, Chris. I know we're gonna talk we were gonna talk about them a little bit more. What are your thoughts on them? I'd love to hear if you think that they're gonna have an upswing at the end of this year or if they're just gonna have moments of, you know, flashes of, of promise and then by and large just gonna be a sinking team. More of the latter. Um I I, I, I there's been too many organizational changes um within to sort of have that sort of like honed pairing that you know like a Williams has uh with the leadership I think it's going to take through next year for them to sort of find their footing if they do um figure out you know who's going to run the team what the structure is going to be like what's going to be the focus on the car if they're going to focus on the D1 driver because we talked about this before and they don't really have a D1 or D2 driver they just have two decently capable drivers they're both very good but neither one of them are you know, that top quality, maybe somebody like Albin needs to be in that team and really take it to the next level. But um, yeah, I think, I think exactly what happened. I think occasionally we're going to have a good race. Gasly's going to get a podium. Esteban's going to get a podium. 
but I don't think that's going to be consistent uh, or, uh, you know, a regular showing from them. I think they're going to average out in sort of like the bottom of the midfield and then track dependent, driver dependent, other situations can uh, make them shine. I do think that they're talented. They have a decent car, uh, but I just don't think that the consistency is going to be there for them. Do you think Mattia coming in, uh, which is all point, all signs kind of point to him becoming the next team principal there. Do you think he's set up for failure? Do you think he's set up for success? Do you think him being there will make a drastic change within a year? How long do you expect? Like, what do you think the effects of having someone like Mattia on the team will, on, on, will have on the team? Like Mattia has amazing engineering experience. Uh, and I think like he was a big part of the reason why Ferrari was able to make the sexiest car on the grid that was also super fast championship contender last year. Uh, but it really depends on what he's allowed or not allowed to do in the team What the leadership. If the leadership lets him for us, lets him make the decisions without a lot of red tape, then I do, I do think that Mattia could come in and make some positive changes and get the car into a really good place to compete uh, and be like re- right there at the top for like competing for podiums consistently. Um, I'd really like to see that happen. That's my big vote for, for Alpine, I want Mattia to be there's the TP, and I'd, I'd really like to see what happens in that situation. Yeah, I'll get you a Mattia polo, uh, Alpine polo for your birthday. I will absolutely uh, wear it. All right, let's talk. About, let's talk about hot seats. Uh, we both have Danny Ricardo on the hot seats. What 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 puts him there for you, Chris? I mean, it's it's more like Liam Lawson, like shining. Like Liam almost scored a point in this race, which would have been another crazy instance of a uh, of a rookie coming in in a really peculiar spot and just getting points already um and i think it's not more of danny screwing up it's just like listen he's got a heel from his injury we're not really sure how that's going to pan out if it's anything you know like stroll maybe he'll come back fast and strong and it'll be fine um but he's got a lot to prove he's got to get back in the seat prove that he's healthy and that he's healed and he's got to also perform better than Liam is. So I definitely think he has all the capability in the world. But right now, it's sort of like a big toss-up of what's going to happen. And so I think there's a lot of pressure on him to come back, be healthy, and perform. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think the shine that Liam is kind of putting on himself is also tainting Danny's uh, future with the team. Uh, I, I'm still in in the belief that Ricardo will come back after his hand surgery, which sounds to be a bit more complex than what Lance had to deal with. Um, so recovery will probably be a little bit longer. Uh, but I, I do think that they'll give Ricardo the chance to finish out the rest of this year and probably go into the first half of next year. I think he's going to get a little bit more leeway, just kind of given his circumstances with the team and already pre-established relationships uh, than, you know, what uh, Nick DeVries got. So, so I think, there, there is runway for him still, even though he's coming back from, you know, an, an injury. Uh, Lance Stroll, I said it before. I'll put it here again. I think he was on your hot seat last week, Chris. Um, I don't know what it is. I think he might be checking out of F1 altogether. There might be a, a situation where he 
has a mutual agreement with the team to to leave, which would be incredibly exciting to to see who would be the prospective fill-ins for him. But like I mentioned before, 11 points separate McLaren and Aston Martin right now. Fernando Alonso has been scoring the lion's share of those points. And if the season were to end now, there would be a glaring spotlight on those 11-point difference between Aston Martin and McLaren and Lance Stroll's, um, you know, uh, kind of hand in all of it. So my hot seat for the week is Danny Ricardo by virtue of what Liam is doing uh, and Lance Stroll by virtue of what he's doing to himself. Um, well, I have um, potentially some bad news for you, and I think that Lance Stroll, it, it's a weird, he has such a weird contract deal, right? Lance has never had an official contract with the team. Like, he doesn't get contract extensions. It's kind of a rolling deal, a handshake deal with his daddy. But I did see an article come out the other day that Aston Martin came out and said that Lance's future is established and strong with the team. So uh, it sounds like Stroll will be in that seat for the time comes for the future. Again, I, th- I think actions speak louder than words in, yeah. in situations like this. So whatever they say, they say, and you know, you take it for face value, but once upon a time, Oscar Piastri also was going to drive for Alpine. So, you know, things can take a turn for the worst for certain people, but which also means the best for others. Listen, uh, Lance seems like a good kid, a nice guy. He definitely doesn't belong in F1 anymore. Hopefully, just hopefully we can we can see a different driver in there. Especially like like listen, if we were last year and 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 a guy like Seb couldn't even take the car up into a podium then you probably wouldn't be talking as much about it, but they have a good car. Alonso has been able to stick it up there. I, I definitely think it's time. And I, both you and I agree with that. It's just, um, I think it's going to be his decision and not otherwise. Yeah. And hopefully that decision is encouraged a little bit by others on the team and, and board members that Aston Martin that, that has uh, his father's ear, but more on the, as the as the season uh transpires let's talk a little bit off track chris we haven't really had a chance to talk about the mercedes driver contract extensions uh both lewis and george are uh signed through 2025 i believe um and then we'll have to renegotiate in 2026 uh when the new uh rules come into place um i'm happy i'm happy as as can be if you can tell from from my voice uh um, i just excited. i just wish the car was there uh, like I said, at the top of the conversation, a lot of these teams are now looking into uh, developing their car for next year and really just kind of sunsetting whatever they have this year uh, and, and just trying to do the best that they can. So knowing that, hopefully Lewis and George know something that we don't and that the car is going to be in a position to really rock it um, at the top of the year. What are your thoughts on the contract extensions, Chris? Do you think... Toto's right in this being the strongest driver pairing on the grid, or do you think he's just blowing some more smoke up everyone's ass? Listen, all eyes are on Toto right now for for being able to give Lewis a car because I don't disagree. I don't disagree like, there. I, I I want I want more than anything to have a repeat of twenty twenty one, if not even even better than that. I want listen. Lewis is getting older, and he doesn't have that many years left. I mean, Alonso's proving that you can fight into old age, but they got to put the car behind him. So I definitely want to see Lewis in a rocket ship next year. I want to see people to be able to take it to Max. 
consistently. And I think, listen, I do think they have a great driver pairing. As much as I don't love George, he's a good driver. He's very talented. And I would like to see these guys like Silver Arrow it up, take it to the Bulls. Um, I don't want to see Max win 20 races in a row next year. And I, I, de- I definitely think that Lewis, if they want to keep Lewis past 26 or past 25, they need to put a car behind him because otherwise he's probably just going to retire. So I'm down for an eight championship. I'm down. I like the driver pairing. I think it's a pretty good one. Um, but it could be another Nico Lewis situation if uh, if they do give him a championship winning car um, because George definitely wants to win races at WDC as well. So uh, again, Trust that's me now, like, at this point as a Mercedes fan, I'd love to just see that. 100%. Any any signs of life I, I'm willing to see. Yeah, I mean, listen, the task is out there, Toto. The task is out there, Fred. The task is out there, future Mattia. Like, build championship winning cars for these guys. Zach Brown, you too. Like, I want to see five different race winners at the start of 2024. Uh, and I'm happy to do a Lewis at the start. And I want to see them fight for championships. So uh yeah, I like the I like the extension. I think it's great. I'm glad Lewis is staying in the sport. I'm glad he seems to have a better attitude after what happened at Abu Dhabi. He seems to actually be enjoying himself again. Um, so, yeah, I, I love it all around. Super happy for him. Come on, Toto. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's get it going, Toto. All <laughs> right. Who are your predictions for Singapore? I mean, it's it's impossible to bet against Max. So, um, And I think that the Red Bulls are really good in tracks like Singapore. You got straight line, which they're insanely good at. And also, they just seem to be good all around the track. So tight corners, fast corners, straight line. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put another Red Bull one too, which coincidentally, uh, it's mathematically possible, uh, albeit rare, um, for them to clinch the constructors championship next in Singapore. I think Max and Sergio have to go one two, they have to get fastest lap, and then Mercedes has to not score a ton of points, but um, they could win next next race, and then I'm gonna put Lando back on the podium just because I think uh, with some of the corners around Singapore. Although I kind of forgot when I made this prediction about the chicanes being removed, um, I think McLaren has it'll be a strong McLaren track. It just it will just depend on how that that extra straight line takes it out of them. But I'd like to see Lando back on the podium. Very solid prediction. Uh, despite my earlier statement that Red Bulls, given uh, you know all conditions are a go, that they will have the best performance, uh, I'm going to put Max at number one. I'm going to put Carlos Sainz as number two, and I'm going to put Checo Perez at number three. I think Sainz is just going to take the momentum that he gained from Monza to a track, again, that's really straight line heavy and just put the pedal to the metal. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Charles also takes that momentum that he got from Monza into this race. Um, and I'm curious to see if the team will step in and and give racing orders if that happens. So, you know, that's still uh, an idealistic way of looking at Ferrari's uh, upcoming race. But right now I'm thinking it's going to be Max, Carlos, and Checo. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm I'm super happy to see the shakeup uh, for the P3 spot in the podium. Like obviously, Red Bull is Red Bull. Um, happy with any kind of McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes showing. I definitely think that like science deserve it, and they showed it today at Monza. He could do it again in Singapore. So super happy to see him if that happens again. 
Yeah. So uh, closes out, Chris. What do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, Shyam and I just want to thank everybody for listening again. We really do want to like open up the conversation for everybody. We'd love to hear your feedback. Please give us any kind of feedback, positive or negative, on any kind of platform you're listening on. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, let us know how we're doing. And uh, yeah, you can always reach out to us at fanteamradio at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear more about um, what's positive, what's negative. And uh, if you have any questions, send them your way as well. Yeah, uh, we will uh, be back again here for Singapore on uh, September 17th. Uh, we'll break down the recap of that race and all the the exciting fallouts of, of whatever happens there. Uh, but until, until then, uh, everyone stay safe and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you Bye, again everybody. for Max's 11th in a row, baby.